Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, October 20th. 
Mark your calendars for BOF Voices 2023, which takes place from November 28th to November 30th, as always, featuring industry icons, cultural disruptors, and business moguls, delivering a rich tapestry of insights and perspectives on fashion and the wider world. On that note, in the coming weeks, we will be sharing some of my favorite conversations from Voices past. This week, we revisit a powerful conversation between luxury shoe designer Christian Louboutin and writer and cultural activist Roseanne Ahmed on balancing personal identity and public brand from BOF Voices 2021. I think that to belong to different cultures, to different places, make you see different, make you understand from the very beginning that one has a lot of different points of view. When you have different ethnicity, different culture, you're not a third, a third, a third. You are three times more. You're not divided, you're multiplicated. BOF Voices 2023 will be live streamed for BOF professional all access members. Check out the link in the episode notes and sign up today for your front row seat at our annual gathering for big thinkers. In the meantime, here's Christian Louboutin on the BOF podcast. So, $2.7 billion. Hey, how do you feel about such an accomplishment? Well, first of all, I have to say um, I'm French, so I can speak English, but mm. I have very little vocabulary, so I have to apologize for that. Okay. And also, I'm extremely shy, which makes this exercise very difficult. But mm-hmm. I'm very happy. The reason is... Yeah, it looks like an accomplishment, but it is not an accomplishment. I mean, I started the company 30 years ago mm-hmm. with my two best friends, and I never thought of selling a part of the company. I never thought of anything else than designing pretty shoes and please people with that. Mm-hmm. So I never thought, okay, I'm building a company. And I, I was not even um, necessarily interested into the fashion industry. So I never thought, okay, you know, building, this is, building a company. Mm. I wanted to have a shop with nice shoes. That's it. And then it turned into the magical empire that it is today. Yeah, Yeah, but it's thanks to many people. I wouldn't take the credit for that. Yeah. Okay. So prior to your success and Christian Louboutin, the brand that we know now, I'd love to know who you were as a child. And on top of that, for obvious reasons. I'd like to know when and how you found out you were African. (laughs) So I was born and raised in Paris in a very, what I would say, loving family. So a father and a mother Mm -hmm. and three older sisters, slightly witches, but still still nice. So you're the baby. You know, I'm allergic. (laughs) Exactly. I'm allergic to fish. I put a little bit of fish. I'm throwing out that type of thing. Everybody's (laughs) applauding. Annoying sisters that I still love, but very annoying sisters. Okay. And uh, I was bad at school, but I was very lucky because for various reasons, I love to draw and I love to draw shoes, Mm. more or less just shoes. So from the age of 10, 11, 12, I started to Josh was not thinking it was a job. It was more like a, a hobby or mm. like a type of kick or something, you know, so sketching sort of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then actually it became something that I liked or thought maybe it would be a job. So this was in Brittany? 
You started this was, No, 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 I was in born and raised in Paris, so this was only in Paris. Well, oh, all in Paris, right, okay. And so you're talking of African roots. So I have three sisters yes. and two are blondes. And when I was younger, I was actually darker. Mm. And my sisters, so my family is very white. We're all coming from Brittany. My father was blonde. They're both dead now. My father and my mother. My father was blonde. My mother was very fair, very pale complexion. And that's it. And funny enough, when I was a kid, I was not making any reference to my family that I loved because I felt different because of the color of my skin. Mm. So it didn't make me feel bad at all. It just made me feel different, I don't, different mm. which is nice. Yeah. Which is nice. And also, I, I didn't have to refer to, you know, like you look like your uncle because I didn't look like the uncle who was drunk all the time or you look <laughs> like your the grandfather who was yeah. an asshole, you know, that type of thing. I right. never felt... <laughs> any reference to my family was coming all the way to me. Right. So I actually think that it's a very uh, liberating thing to not necessarily belong, to be like, you know, the lineage in a family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But did you, did you at any point wonder why you felt different? Or did you have any well, moments when you were a kid where, where, you, where, where you were shown <coughs> that you were different? Put it that way. Well, first of all, I think that a lot of kids feel that they may be adopted, that don't really belong to their family. <laughs> so my family was a very classical, random, working-class family. So if you already have three children, mm. you're not adopting a fourth children. Right. That comes, you know, that's not... We were not Josephine Baker, so... Mm. No. So <laughs> that was not going to happen. So I thought I look adopted... But why would my parents, who already have three kids, would adopt me? So I thought, okay, you know, that's a fantasy. Mm. And so I was living on that fantasy, <laughs> not thinking more than that. But I was definitely thinking that I was coming from a different background. Yeah. And, um, well, something, you told me something happened to you when you were a child. Yeah. Yeah. No, something, but... yeah. And the strange thing is that, for instance, if you are in, a, let's say, if you, your family is white and your environment is pretty white, and uh, which was my environment, you never think of racism because yeah. it's not... I had a family who was absolutely not racist. There was no issue around that, etc. So there was no, no topics around all that type of situation. Yeah. And so you brought up, it's, it's not an issue. So, yes, I was telling you about that. Um, mm. When I was 12 or 13, I was with a friend of mine and I went to... If I make it short, I went to a coffee. We had an argument with the director of the coffee, etc. It started to feel bad. But when the, something like that... I find it quite theatrical, so I like the idea that everybody's shouting in the restaurant, etc. <laughs> and then the guy looks at me and he says, I'm going to punch you in the face to make your nose even flatter than it is. Yeah. And then suddenly I thought, what does it mean? And mm. I thought, okay, flat nose, reference to a black face, and then suddenly I got really frozen. And I just didn't know I was really harmless. I had a very similar experience when I was younger because, like you, I didn't really, I mean, I, I, I didn't really understand the term black even until I went to New York City and I was 17 at the time. Because growing up in the UK, it's only very recently that the term black has been applied to those of color. Before it was either you were Sudanese or you were Jamaican or you were Ghanaian or Kenyan. So my first experience shook me. And that's why when you... When you told me this story, I, I resonated because we were so alien to mm -hmm. the possibility of, of racism taking place in our lives. So I personally 
feel that although you felt different, because you mentioned to me that you felt different and you also had an affinity with Egypt mm -hmm. before even knowing that you I were, in fact, was Egyptian. Like, yeah. You know. So, so could you? What what happened there? How did you find out? And then when you did, were you like, oh, okay, this makes sense? Uh, because how did you feel when you found out? Well, basically, I always loved Egypt, and yeah. uh, you have found the reason to love Egypt. Mm -hmm. And so I would go back and forth to Egypt since I'm like 18 or 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And 10 years, less than 10 years ago, I had lunch with my older sister who lives in Brittany, so I barely see her. Mm -hmm. And at the end of lunch, she started to say, do you ever go still to Egypt? I said, yeah, I haven't been this year because of work, but I'm not afraid to go, that's mm -hmm. not a problem, etc." And she asked me why I love so much Egypt. I said, you know, you have so many reasons to love Egypt. But she said, yeah. but you could have a very specific reason. <laughs> I said, but like what? And she says, like, you could be looking for something. I said, but looking for like what? And she said, like your father. So That's how she told you? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I was, I looked at what she had been drinking, one glass of white wine, <laughs> that's fine. I thought, wow. Yeah. And she said, are you serious? And I say, are you serious? She mm. says, yes. And then she explained me the story of, she said, well, I wanted to tell you for a long time that you're actually the love child of our mom. And you were born by uh, the love of our mom to this man who was called Nassim, who was Egyptian, and who was working on the roof for a few years wow. uh, in Paris, yeah. etc. Okay. And so I felt quite um, surprised. Mm -hmm. and, but my first thing was about my mother. I thought, you know, I was born when she was 42, so I thought at the beginning of her 40s, she had another big love, obviously. Yes. So I thought, good for her. Yeah, you know? exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. What a beautiful way to respond to something that most people would just be blown by and, and I suppose in many ways react to negatively, the fact that you responded with such positivity. Well, I was loved by my parents too. Yeah. So I thought, you know, either yeah. you're the love child who is hated because it represents the loose of your love, or either you represent the love of this love. Mm -hmm. And this, me, it's a second thing. So I'm fine. I was oh. perfectly happy. But yeah. I just wanted to, I was going to a big birthday party outside Paris. Mm -hmm. I was not sleeping in my house. I'm in my apartment in Paris. I was sleeping in a house somewhere else. So I thought, I want to go to this party, but I want to go to bed because I want to sleep and know exactly what's going to happen in my dreams, in my unconscious, and how am I going to wake up. Basically, I go to sleep, I'm like French, and I wake up half French, <laughs> half Arabic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, okay, something is going to happen. And then I woke up. I didn't have a dream, nothing. I was a bit starving. I wanted my coffee with yeah. milk and nothing happened. And I realized that it was pretty much ingrained inside me already. Mm. So there was no problem. There hadn't been any problem about that. Mm -hmm. And I probably knew it. Yes, and deep down. Then, well, DNA does, well, I, I believe that memory does exist in DNA, which explains, you know, generational traumas or generational joy. You know, I, I think your story is, is, is testament to, to that reality that, memory does exist in, in our DNA because you were, in fact, going to Egypt, falling in love with Egypt, and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it turns out you were from there. 
But also, yeah. you know, I remember having signs of like the first time I would go to an Arabic wedding. All right. They made me dance, and I was dancing. I knew exactly how to place my ass and shake it. And, <laughs> I, and I thought, wow, you know, something is there that I've never experienced. But I, connected, you knew I what to do. do it. Exactly. You knew how to shimmy. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought, well, something is already there. So yes. I definitely knew that it was there. I just didn't know that it was big time there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so even in this age of uh, booming creative shifts and entrepreneurship and self-discovery and new expression and uh, a real kind of poise in one's identity, and also as, as Imran mentioned earlier, and a lot of us have been talking about the great resignation and kind of coming out of a reality that no longer satisfies our souls, there's still a difficulty in merging passion or turning passion into profit. It's not easy, despite this new surge and new realization in, in moving towards that. So my question to you is, at this stage of your career, and we all know that on the professional side, you are a whopping success. How do you balance that professional success with, say, your personal purpose or your passion, your joy? Because from what I see, I, I see that you love what you do. You still love what you do. So how, how do you sustain that? Well, it's not very difficult for me because I think that passion comes first. Mm. And uh, if passion comes first, you will never waste your time because you will always be happy of what you've been doing, what you are doing. And if success is happening, it's a cherry on the cake, it's a plus, but it's not the thing. Yeah. The thing is your drive, is your passion for what you do, your love of your creativity. Mm. And if this comes first, that's never a problem. I'll give you an example. When I started beauty, the product, the nail polish, mm. was I designed it as an object because beauty literally means beautiful. So I thought mm. if it's just to put it in a packet with my name, there is no beauty in that. Of course. Beauty needs to be beautiful. On that, I'm very square. So I designed that thing, which ended up being expensive. And the company say, it's too expensive. It's like twice the price of the most expensive nail polish. Mm. I said, you know what, but I still like it. And I'm not... Um, neither tenacious or stubborn, but I say, that needs to be beautiful. Yeah. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, I will have not wasted any time because I will be happy of what I did. Mm -hmm. But if I do something that I don't like, even if it's successful, what do you gain from that? Yeah. And I always favor uh, versus what you say, like success or whatever, yes. financial things. I always... Um, I think that also it's pretty transparent. When you love what you do, you actually translate it. Yes. And people see through that. Mm. If you do something, so basically the opposite, you do something you don't like and it's not successful, you totally wasted your time. Mm -hmm. So don't waste your time in doing things you don't like because out of there, there won't be any pleasure. Exactly. Well, you lose both ways. Exactly, <laughs> exactly yeah. So I saw a documentary about you once where you said you didn't think you were a good leader. How is that possible? Explain to us how you thought that you didn't think uh, you were a good leader. Because I am a bad leader in the sense, I'm not a leader. Mm. Um, 
But I have maybe this classical thing, a leader stands up and speaks in front of a lot of people, etc., which I cannot do, mm. which I never did, which I never do in my team, with my team. But um, I don't like to give lessons. I don't like people to give me lessons, so I don't like to give lessons. So all this is not making me a good leader. But I'm not a good leader because also I have a great team. And when you have a great team, you don't need to be a good leader. When you're actually working with people and you respect them and you have everyone doing their thing their best because they like what they do, mm-hmm. then you end up having a great team. So you don't need to be a good leader. Mm-hmm. Well, I think definitions of leadership is, is so different now. And mm-hmm. we were hearing earlier, and I, I told you earlier that there's a whole kind of shift of thinking now when it comes to leadership, consideration and well-being and intuition and purpose and all these things. And I feel that there's a new frontier when it comes to leadership coming into play. And I feel that you have kind of always been that way. You've always been driven by passion, by, mm-hmm. by feeling, by intuition, by art, by beauty. So I think you are a good leader, <laughs> personally. Um, so I have, a, I have a loaded, pretty loaded question coming up now. And this goes back to, to the idea of mixture, cultural mixture, identity mixture. You once said that Everything is the fruit of cultural mixture. This is one of you. Mm-hmm. So I like to believe that those of us who are cultural mixtures, and you and I have a similar kind of makeup and DNA. We are, we've been born and raised in Europe. We're both African. And we, we're both glazed with Arabia. Me being from Sudan, yourself from mm-hmm. Egypt. So we're neighbors in that sense. And both our nations were Arabized a very long time ago. So... So we kind of essentially represent three different continents. So I believe that those of us who are cultural mixtures, who grew up without the choice, the no choice, we had no choice of having to live and learn within multiple cultures, possess a unique empathy. I feel that we have this empathy when it comes to building bridges and generating a stronger sense of unity and humanity. While others talk about globalization, I believe that some of us are globalization and therefore have a wider scope of appreciation in human understanding. So my question is, do you think that your own multi-ID, and we can just create a name for us, the Maltese of the world, do you think that your own European, Arabian, and African fusings has had a similar impact in your own worldview? In other words, are those of us who are biologically and culturally multi more capable of unifying humanity? Well, I still think that it depends on characters at the very beginning, but definitely I think that to belong to different cultures, to different places, make you see different, make you understand from the very beginning that one has a lot of different points of view. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but also, I remember this friend who said to me, I'm half black, half white. And he said, but I'm not half black, half white. I'm 100% black, 100% white. Amen. It's 200%. Mm-hmm. So you don't, when you have different, in a way, different ethnicity, different culture, you're not a third, a third, a third. You are three times more. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't divide. You're not divided. You're multiplicated. Yes. So it's definitely, a, I would say it's a very, very, very good thing. 
You told me earlier when I told you about my own upbringing, how I, how I felt I was growing up with a crisis of identity. And then later in my life, I realized that this crisis of multi-identity was, was actually an opportunity, which mm -hmm. is why I ended up you know, putting a series of stories around what it means to be multi-identity. You said, you said to me, it isn't really choice, it's chance. And I really appreciated that. Mm -hmm. You said that it's more, it's the chance because you've been so exposed. And, and I suppose this is why my, my work has also become so intersectional and the same with you. The whimsicality and the dreaming and the traveling and whether, whether we're migrating, whether we're refugees or whether we're traveling, we are, we are individuals that have seen more. And on that note, <laughs> thank you so much, Christian. Thank you. For today's discussion, thank you all. Thank you. BOF Voices 2023 takes place from November 28th to November 30th. To register for this year's global live stream, follow the link in the episode notes. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.